Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you're at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Hello, friends, and thank you for listening to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Mark Cravens, and you are about to hear a most remarkable story of God's incredible grace at work in the life of a man by the name of Mark Soersby. Mark Soersby has a ministry entitled Forgiving the Nightmare. Recently, he spoke at our church on a Sunday morning and shared his remarkable story of how God reached in and saved him and transformed his life. Mark currently pastors a church in upstate New York, and you are about to hear his testimony. Listen carefully as Mark shares his story of how God enabled him to forgive the nightmare. Again, thank you for having us. We're honored to be here. Thank you, church, for allowing us to come. It's a blessing. It's wonderful to be here today. And we just want to share the story. We want to share the testimony. I don't want to be sensational. I don't want to be be ugly today because I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about my testimony. I'm going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the victory. I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about my testimony. But then I'm going to talk a whole lot of time talking about what Jesus did. Amen. So let us pray one more time this morning and ask the Lord to be with us. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for all that you've done today. We thank you for that beautiful word that Pastor John brought, Lord God. Oh, who inspired us, encouraged us, equipped us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that he brought a word that you put in his heart, that he poured upon us, Lord. Father, we thank you today, the worship and the sweetness of your spirit that rises up in this fellowship, in this sanctuary, Lord. And we ask you now, Father, as we come before you to give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying. Father, give us a heart to receive what the spirit is doing. And Father, I pray today that we put our hands on the plow and don't look back and be about our father's business. Oh, Father God, hide your servant behind the cross and be glorified today. May you be lifted up in Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you heard a little bit on my video this morning about my testimony. From the time I was 7 to 14, the time I was 7 to 14, I was horribly abused. My mom married a man 20 years her younger. And he would come into my life at 7 years old and abuse me in every way, shape, and form. He abused my body, he abused my spirit, he abused my soul. He had verbally, he had sexually, he would physically, he, he stabbed me, he burnt me, and then yet he would sell me for other men to take advantage of me. In those seven years, it was happened two, three times a day. It was an ugly situation. I did not know life any other way. And you would say, well, Mark, where were, the, uh, where were your protectors? Where were those in your life that were supposed to be there for you? They weren't. See, I was born from an affair. My mom's life was so broken. She had so much hurt, so much pain in her own life. She was looking for love, like they say in the song, all the wrong places. 
My father, who was promised to another, came into her life and lied to her, manipulated her, promised her happiness and joy that it'd always be there. And when they conceived, he left. I didn't get to meet my earthly father until I was 45 years old. I'm glad I met him when I was 45. Our paths crossed at the right time. I was old enough to know that I made some mistakes in my life. I was mature enough to forgive. So those last four years, we lost, we lost him. I got to know him for four years, and I'm thankful that God gave me the answers of my prayer to meet my, have, my earthly father. Last year, my mom passed away to COVID. And when she passed away uh, with other underlying things, the Lord started to release a ministry called Forgiving the Nightmare in Me to help me share with others the situations that I went through, the situations of abuse and rejection and pain and hurt when people took advantage of me and the scars that it left me with. Oh, there may not have been physical scars, but there were emotional scars. There was anger. There was spiritual scars. Oh, I was confused. I was upset. And the Lord started to bring me on a journey to deal with the abuse. So I want to bring you back there. 7 to 14, I didn't know life any other way than being abused two, three times a day. I shared with you how I'd been pierced in my side and I was, my body was burnt. And at 14 years old, the abuse stopped, maybe because I was big enough to fight back. Maybe I was strong enough to run away. But at 14 years old, the abuse stopped. I was confused. I had a chip on my shoulder. The world owed me something. See, it wasn't right what happened to me. It's somebody was going to pay. See, I had the right to be a victim. Go ahead, argue with me. Were you molested? And that's the attitude I had. I was going to watch out for numero uno. I was going to take care of myself. See, all that pain, all that anger, all that frustration, that was inside me. I didn't trust. I didn't want to trust. I built up walls. Oh, I built up walls. At 15 years old, we were living in an apartment complex. The lifeguard, teenage girl. I'm not dumb, people. She invited me to church. I'd have gone anywhere she invited me, Pastor Mark. <laughs> I guess we'll be honest with you, brother. She invited me to church. She said, she said, I'll pick you up. Oh, I went home. I put on my Sunday best. I even brushed my teeth twice, okay? I just praise the Lord. And when she picked me up, she picked me up with her boyfriend. <laughs> exactly. Walked to that church that day, and they invited me to a youth group. Oh, it was the 80s. How many grew up in the 80s? Come on, guys. Long hair, jean jackets. Okay, that was us. I was cool, man. Grew up in the 80s, and I walked into a youth group with about 100 kids that all looked like me. Even the youth pastor had a mullet. We were on fire. <laughs> and when I walked in that church, people wanted to hug me, and I was like, I'm not into hugging. Come on. I'm not, well, we just love you, Pastor Mark. I'm not into that. Get you know, just... And I remember that night walking out of church and a young man said, you need to ride home. And I, and I said, yes. And he invited me in his car. John Aguirre was his name. He invited me in his car. It's raining. 
He said, hey, what did you think about service? And I said, well, you know, I, I don't. He said, do you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? I probably didn't even understand all that meant at that moment, but I know I didn't want to hurt anymore. I know I didn't want to be angry anymore. And right there in the front seat of that car, that young man and I, we said what I would come to know the sinner's prayer. And I said, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean in the blood of Jesus. Save me and deliver me. Oh, I thank God that God heard my prayer that day. But the next day, it was the next day that rang in my mind and my spirit and my soul that I'll never forget. See, the next day I woke up with the horns of cars blowing in our parking lot. We lived in an apartment complex. We lived on the third floor in a two-bedroom apartment. And there, about 7 o'clock in the morning, we heard one horn blow and another horn blow and a third horn blow. And these cars were blowing their horns. And I looked out the slider onto the dock, and there was kids, youth, calling me. No one ever wanted me before. See, all I knew was rejection. I was bullied at school. I was abused at home. I was rejected. And for the first time in my life, this group of youth, this group of young people, they had their cars and they were sitting there and they were blowing their horns and they were calling down. And there was that youth pastor with his mullet. And he said, hey, Mark, my eyes got as big as saucers. We want you to come with us. You want me? See, you don't understand. I'm broken. I'm messed up. You don't want me. You know why? Because I don't even want myself. You don't want me. I'm just a piece of junk. I'm trash. You don't want me. You don't want me. Yeah, come on, Mark. We're going to hike Mount Monadnock. And I grew up in New England, so I'm a transplant to upstate New York. I'm a New Englander. That means I'm a Patriot fan. But let me tell you, when I moved here to Ohio, I got, I got the second Ohio religion. O-H. See, I got it. And they said, we're going to go climb up Mount Monadnock. And there we were. And for the first time, I felt accepted. I felt wanted. I felt loved. Because of those years of abuse, those years of rejection, those years of pain, as my body was destroyed, as my soul was trapped, as the pains, the pains of abuse still rung true in me. See, the pains of the abuse, I thank God that my body healed, but the insecurities, the fears, the rejections, they lived inside my spirit for a long time. And I wish I could tell you, church, I wish I could stand here and say, well, I said the sinner's prayer, it all went away. I started to go on a journey that day. I found acceptance. Oh, I never left that church. I became a fixture. From that moment on, I think every time that door was open, we had three services and two services. I was there all the time because I wanted to go to a place that I felt loved. Oh, I was the messed up kid. See, I wasn't a church kid. I didn't know. But you know what? That church loved me. They hugged me when I needed it. They also gave me a good when I needed it too. But they loved me. They supported me. They came beside me. They 
but I still had this pain. I still had this hurt. Oh, on the outside, I was looking good. I was a church kid. I was going to, I was preaching. I was, I was praying. And I, but you know, on the inside, I was still angry. In the inside, I was still upset. Seven years. Where was my dad? Why didn't my mom protect me? Seven years. Seven years of daily abuse, punch, stab, burnt. Seven years. And God started to bring me on a journey. God started to bring me on a journey that started that day in that car when I said, Lord, become my Lord and Savior. And through the years, God has done some great things. I... I want to tell you about a time, and you might know people like this. It was right before Christmas, and we had a woman in the church. You probably don't have a woman like this in your church. A woman that you can't say no to. I mean, this woman gets her way. Not in this church. You don't have anybody like that. But we had a woman in the church. I mean, she came to me one day, and she said, Mark, I want you to read out of the gospel before the whole youth group. You know what? My my dog ate my glasses. I see she didn't know I was a dyslexic and only read at a third grade level. She didn't know that. And I tried every excuse in the book. I, you know, I can't, I don't I she she didn't take no for an answer. And I got up in front of that youth group and I started to read out of the gospel of Luke, and it was broken. It was slow. The youth and the pastors, they were generous and kind and graceful. And after service, that, that woman you can't say no to, she came to me and she said, now here I was. I was grown up. I was 21. She came to me and she said to me, Mark, I've homeschooled all my children. And if you want, I will help you. So there I was at her kitchen table with her five-year-old learning phonics. But unbeknownst to me, she had an older daughter who was watching all this take place. Unbeknownst to me, this older daughter, who was just a kid, she was not a... But she grew up, praise the Lord. (laughs) And unbeknownst to me, that older daughter would fall in love with me. And that's my wife, Jennifer. And that woman you can't say no to is my mother-in-law. <laughs> and guess what? You still can't say no to her. So praise the Lord. We love her. So God helped me read. And then God called me to Bible school. Bible school. Me, a special ed, abused, rejected, insecure fearful person, and God would call me to Bible school, and I can't read my way out of the paperback. I didn't even know what a syllabi was, and there I was at 23 years old, and I was signing up for Bible school because God told me to. That's all I had was God said go. Oh, I remember the first school I went to down in southeastern Florida, Lakeland, Florida. I just went in there. I was so happy. They looked at my transcripts and went, uh, you might have to do some some studying before you come. Oh, I felt defeated. I said, God, I can't do it anymore. I went, I went to Valley Forge. I walked in and met with their administrator and they looked at my transcripts and went, oh, you can't do this anymore. 
Oh, I said, Lord, I tried. Everybody's rejected me. And he told me about one school, and it was the school I didn't want to go to. Oh, I knew about that school. It's called Zion. And I remember after wrestling with God and God finally speaking to my heart very clear, I said, yes, Lord, I'll go. And as I'm on my way, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting, I'm in an appointment with the dean of students and, and I'm waiting for him to look at my transcripts. I'm waiting and he's going to, come on, give it to me so I can tell him. Look, it's bad. It's really bad. You don't want me here. Look how bad it is. He looked at my transcripts and he got up from his picture, from his desk and he tapped on the picture window and there was a woman walking by. Her name is Sister Jan Kruger. Sister Kruger showed up a week prior to me to start a learning center. To start a learning center at that. Sister Kruger and I became best friends. I was her first pupil. They gave us a room. My first job was to clean it. I thought, I'm in college here. I'm collegiate now. Good, clean the room. Ah, okay. Struggled, worked hard, had to work five times as hard as the next guy, but I did finally get my diploma. Now, I wish I could tell you that was the end of the story, but it's not because there at the school, we had a program called SPICE, students participating in campus experience. And why they had that is because they tried to keep the tuition down, so students had to do chores or jobs or tasks to keep the tuition down. Some worked in the kitchen, some worked in the ground, some worked in housekeeping, some were teacher's aides. And I didn't want to have to do the 13 hours that you had to do on top of. So if you got, if you got picked to do a ministry, your spice hours went down to like five. And they had an audition for a team called the Sentinels where they would let you go out and represent the school. And they had an open audition. So I went out that day and I looked at all the, these were all the pretty people. I mean, these guys, they've been in ministry. They, their great-grandfathers were pastors and superintendents, and they, they knew how to, I, you know, here I am, broken kid from a broken home. I don't know which way's up. And don't you know, the Lord opened a door for me to go on that ministry team. And when I went on that ministry team, we were traveling, and one night in Canada, they said, we need somebody to close the service with a testimony. And I raised my hand. I said, I got a testimony. They said, go ahead. They never heard it before. And I got up and I shared a forgiving the nightmare. I didn't know that was the name of it then. And I talked about how I was abused and how I was held down and how God started to do a work in my life. And then we opened up the altars. People came down to pray as we agreed to pray together. And I remember looking to the left to the right to the rest of the students and there was nobody there. And, and I could not see the end of the line of people who wanted to pray for, with me. And I thought, Lord, who am I to stand here? But I'm just a man with a forked tongue and clay feet. Who am I to pray for these people? The Lord spoke to my heart that day and he said, Mark, you have a powerful testimony. And he shared with me one day, he said, I'm going to have you write it down. I'm going to have you tell it others. And me with great faith, I said, Lord, what am I going to call it? And he said, you're going to call it forgiving the nightmare. That was at 23, 24 years old when the Lord gave me that. And I did not know how it was going to manifest. I didn't know how it was going to come out. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Was it just for me? Was it just for my family? Was it just the, the rudder that helped me govern and pastor by? And at the end of 2019, I opened up the refrigerator door. And I was looking for that perfect meal. Sometimes you ever look at, just stare at the fridge for a while, you 
You open that door and you're just like, uh, I don't know, no, no. Maybe I could just eat ketchup. No, maybe. I was 324 pounds and everything hurt. I was just about ready to turn 50 years old. I left my doctor not too long before that. And he, they said, Mark, you're heading for diabetes. I got four kids, beautiful wife, 324, 25 pounds. I'm only 5'6". I was a ball. My waist size was 56. I said, Lord, I don't want to hurt anymore. Help me, God. That's really, I can't tell you it was much more of a spiritual prayer than that. I didn't march around the refrigerator seven times, I promise. <laughs> I closed that refrigerator door and I did not realize that prayer would bring me to the public place of forgiving the nightmare. So we started on that journey to lose weight and believe me, it wasn't my first time attempt and it probably won't be the last. One of the biggest struggles in my life is my weight, and I'm still wrestling with it today. We started that journey, and I just wanted to get healthy. I didn't want to hurt anymore. I wanted to be able to see my feet. A few months later, we'd get the phone call that my mom passed away. They say it was COVID. She had other underlying health issues, but we lost my mom And one day on that treadmill, while I'm trying to lose weight, the Lord said to me on that treadmill in my heart, it wasn't the audible voice, it was just in my spirit, in my soul, in my mind, in my heart. And Ken, like our brother said, test all things. The Lord said, Mark, we're going to launch Forgiving the Nightmare. I said, Lord, I'm just a guy with a cell phone. And there we stepped out and people started to help me build a website. And before you know it, we got to make that video. There's a whole testimony about how I made that video and, and what a wonderful way God opened up doors with a, with a, with a Hollywood uh, professional. I mean, who am I? I got no money. Right? Did I tell you I'm a pastor? <laughs> My church never bought me a car, right? I was just telling you that. Praise the Lord. But I have faith just like you. And we started to launch the ministry called Forgiving the Nightmare. And and I said, Lord, I I don't want it just to be about abuse. I don't want to just say, hey, I got hurt, raped, blessed, and let it be there. And the Lord said to me, Mark, everybody has a nightmare. Everybody has a nightmare. We've all walked through something that the enemy has tried to shackle us to, hold us down, title us. See, I was titled for a long time as victim. I was titled as a long time as broken. I titled myself insecurity and fear. I thought I was junk. I didn't think I could lift lift my head. When I walked in the room, I felt like the least important person in the room. What could I offer? I'm junk. That was the lie the enemy tried to hold me down to. And forgiving the nightmare is not just about being abused. That's my story. And I tell it to you today just to say, guess what? I've been through some stuff. But I'm sure you've all been through stuff. We all have some kind of nightmare, an addiction, a divorce, a disease, a bankruptcy, a past, a death, something the enemy is trying to shackle you to, to lie to you, to say this is all you'll ever be. 
So forgiving the nightmare is about us finding the freedom in the gift of Jesus. Oh, I thank our brother for reading that powerful scripture today. Powerful scripture that is out of Ephesians. And I tell you, I love it. It rang true in my heart. If you forgive your brothers, I will also forgive you. And be honest with you, I knew that scripture. I quoted it. I told you I went to Bible school, right? But when I read that for most of my life, I turned the page. I said, God, how can you ask me? Oh, God, I can forgive a lot of things. But how can you ask me to forgive that person who did so much, who stole so much from me? Oh, God, how can you ask me? God, I can, I'll go to Africa. I'll, I'll serve wherever you tell me. God, I'll even become whatever you want, Lord God. But I don't know, God. Without you, I cannot forgive the one, not because my body was broken, because he stole my dignity, my self-respect. My, he made me insecure. He gave me fear. He took my hope away. God, how can you ask me? And he said, love me. But God, you told me, love me. But God, love me more. Rise, let me be bigger. Let me be stronger. Let me be greater. Let me be bigger. Let me be stronger. Let me be greater. Let me be bigger. Let me be stronger. Let me be great. But God, don't you know my story? I know. And the word says he becomes the lifter of our head and the lover of our soul. But God, let me tell you, I, sh I know what happened. Just draw close to me. You abide in me and I will abide. But God, that, that valley is too big for me to cross. That mountain's too high for me to do. That's why you don't do it alone. Just look to me because I am a lamp unto your feet. And I will guide you and direct. I will still be the cloud by day and I'll still be the fire at night. I will lead you through these waters. God has brought me to this place to be able to share this story, forgiven the nightmare. Because again, I think this morning, many of us have a nightmare and the enemy is lying to you like he has tried to lie to me. He wants you to hate yourself as much as he hates you, but God loves us today. God loves us today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I want to take you a place of scripture because you know, I remember being at that altar where God finally said, will you forgive? Will you give up this victimhood? See, victimhood was nice for me, Pastor Mark, because it was my excuse, right? It was my reason. I understood it. See, I grew up in the language of lies. I understood the, the process of manipulation. I knew dysfunction with a capital D. That's what's familiar to me. That's the land I grew up in. That was the language of my home. That's the sound of my past. And to be honest with you, I could go back there in a second. You know what? Enemies calling me back there all the time. He said, come on back, man. It's better in Egypt. Come on back. Oh, you know, it's too hard over there, man. Come on, everybody will understand. Come on back. I remember I was preaching this one day and I told the church, but I, 
God never took that away from me. And one brother got up and said to me, Pastor, how can you say God never took it away from you? Because he did it. Well, then what did he do? He became bigger. See, the God's love, God's truth, God's spirit, God's word became bigger than all that hurt. It became a, in God, that pain, that, that pain that is as real as it is. And I'm not saying you may not need some true counseling or, or walk through it with, with counselors. It's like, I am not, you may need to go through that, that gate, that door to walk through some of these things. But let me tell you, God is big. So last year, I, I'm on my weight journey. And my friend challenges me to climb a mountain. It's called Panther Mountain. It's in the end of Rodex. To me, it was Everest. Now, my kids call it Panther Hill. No, no, no. These kids don't know what they're talking about these days. And I climbed that mountain for the first time, and all I wanted to do was get to the top. I had blisters on my feet. I had... I, my, my toes bled. I climbed that mountain. I got to the top. I felt like a million bucks. A hundred pounds later, a friend of mine challenged me to climb the highest peak in New York called Mount Marcy. You got to go there and have a, a base camp. Doesn't that sound cool? What was that base camp? Yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> what were you doing? Uh, me and my friend, we at base camp. Uh, yeah, we're going, going to base camp before we make the summit. That just sounds cool. Doesn't it? Impressive. What's that base camp? Yeah, gonna go down. When I climbed Mount Marcy, I was at the highest peak of New York, and I realized something. When I was standing on that mountain, the highest peak, it made that other mountain just a hill. And I realized that when I stood on the mountain of pain, it seemed like that Everest to me. But when I went up on the mountain of God, when I stood on the promises and the hope, when I had the mountaintop experience, when God lifted me up, when I stood on this promise, when I stood on this place, oh, that place was still there. But this place overshadowed it. So some of you today know what I'm talking about. I can tell by the head nods. Some of you know how the enemy wants to leave you broken. Some of you know how the enemy wants to leave you with scars. Some of you know how the enemy wants to hold you back, shackle you to a past that Christ already gave you victory on. Amen? Amen. So, Pastor Mark, I'm going to preach just a little bit now. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 30. Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32 chapter, verses 22 through 30. Verses 22 through 30. This is the story of Jacob. Many of you know the story of Jacob. He, he betrayed his brother for a birthright. He lived his life as a deceiver, a liar. That's what Jacob meant in the, in the Old Testament. Jacob means deceiver, liar. And he's, just, he's about ready to confront his brother. He's in the desert. He's waiting for his brother to come. He wants to confront. He wants to make it right. He wants to settle his debts. He wants to bury the hatchet. He wants to move forward. He does no longer want to be this person that his past has made him to be. So he finds himself in this place in chapter 32. He finds himself 
here in chapter, 30, 20, chapter 32, verse 22 says, the, the night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jacob. Shebeka. Thank you, honey. Shebeka. So let me just say to you right here quick is that Jacob never stopped being responsible, but he needs to find a place sometimes, a quiet place. Pastor John talked about that today. Sometimes we have to find that prayer closet. We have to find that quiet place. And I know your life is as busy as my life. And sometimes it's very hard to find that place where somebody's not demanding from you, right, moms? <laughs> somebody doesn't want something from you. The boss, the wife, the something, somebody wants something. But here's Jacob, and he sends his wife, he sends his children, he sends his possessions, he sends them on one side of the river, and there he is, is in that quiet place. He's in that sanctuary, if you would. He's in a place, just him and God. And let me tell you, those times are far few between. How many know what I'm talking about, amen? But here Jacob is, he's in this place, and he, the Bible tells us in verse 23, and after he sent them across, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Why he was alone in that place, that solitude place where he could reflect, where he could say, Lord, seek, search me and know me. It says that he began to wrestle. Wrestle, some, some translate that as an angel or even God. But he began to wrestle. He began to wrestle. And I know what I went through in my life. I wish I could tell you I went to an altar. I said a prayer and it all went away, but it didn't. There was many days I had to wrestle through my past. I had to wrestle with my anger. I had to wrestle with unforgiveness. I know what the word said. I wish it could happen like that, but it didn't. If it does for you, praise the Lord. But for me, there was a season and I had to wrestle that out with God. I think sometimes we say the prayer, we hope beyond hope and we wish it would be gone and then we get so discouraged when it isn't. But let me tell you, there was not just one altar experience. There's been many altar experiences, not just one time in the word, but many times in the word. Not one time on my knees with tears coming down, but many times on my knees with tears coming down. And there's Jacob in verse 24 and 25. Jacob was left alone and the man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So the hip was wrenched and he wrestled with that man. Sometimes when you're wrestling with your past, you're going to end up with a limp. Not always. Not always, but we can't always avoid it. Sometimes when you wrestle with that old man, sometimes when you wrestle with the flesh, sometimes when you wrestle, as Paul would say, crucify the flesh daily. Sometimes when you get to those places, every once in a while, we may have to walk a different way. We might have to surrender, give up, submit. Nobody likes that word. spiritually, emotionally, physically, but every once in a while, your victory. Wasn't there a great Christian song not too many years ago said, my victory comes through teardrops. Sometimes victory comes through tears, not always a hallelujah shout. 
Sometimes victory comes with walking with a limp. So there's the angel and Jacob, and they're wrestling all night long. And the angel touches his hip, and he wrenches it. And verse 26 says this, Then the man said, Let me go, for it's almost daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go of this until I get a blessing. I'm not going to let go of this until I get a word. I'm not going to let go of this until I know that I know that I know that I know I've been in the presence of the Lord. I'm not going to let go. Even with the lip on his side, even in the middle of that match, wrestling this out, oh, let me go, let me go, it's over, I can't. Reminds me of the woman who reached out and touched the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ. And who touched me? And she had to confess, it was me, Lord, and your faith has made you whole. And there's Jacob, and he's beginning to wrestle. And the angel says, or the man says, let me go. I won't let you go until you bless me. And the man asked him this, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. What is your name? Deceiver is my name. Liar is my name. It's some of you. God's saying to you, what's your name? And you're letting your past shape your name. You know how I know? Because mine did. What's your name? Victim. What's your name? Angry. What's your name? Fear. What's your name? Insecurity. Oh, and the enemy just held me back. What's your name? Junk. Leftover. And there in verse 27, The man said, what is your name? Jacob. And then the man said to him, your name is no longer Jacob. Now, I don't know about you, but your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is no longer Jacob, it said in verse 27. Then he said this, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with human and you overcome. He took the name deceiver away and he gave him the name overcomer away. He took the name deceiver, liar, cheat, broken, and he gave him a new name. He said, you're no longer Jacob. You're no longer broken. You're no longer leftover. You're no longer junk. You're no no longer let your past dictate your future. You know what you are today? You're no longer Jacob, but today you're Israel overcomer, church. My name was victim for far too long. My name was abused for far too long. My name was raped for far too long. My name was anger for far too long. Oh, I don't got it all figured out. And there's days where that old way comes back, and boy, I want to live there. Want to have a nice cup of tea, set up my lawn chair, just park out in it. It's easy, but I remember I'm no longer, I'm no longer broken. I'm no longer victim. I'm no longer leftover. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm made new. I'm set free. Oh, I'm a child of the king. Don't mean I got all the answers. I got it all figured out. Don't follow me around looking for perfection because you're not going to find it. Remember they said we're a lot alike. (laughs) 
But I have a faith, not a faith in myself, not an empty faith in man's promise, but I stand on the word of God because it's a shield about me. It's a mighty fortress that I could run into. It's a light unto my path. And this word tells me that God didn't make junk. And God's death on the cross of Calvary covered a multitude of sin. And then he says, can you forgive your abuser? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Takes them. So Jacob said, please tell me your name. He replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Pinya, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Some of you today know what I'm talking about. You've been shackled, lied to, held down. It's been like a weight on you. You wake up every day, and that first breath, (gasps) fear rushes in. Let them not find out what I'm really like, God, because they won't love me anymore. If they really knew, God, nobody would talk to me. If they understood what I'm really like, they'd kick me off that board, off that ministry. Oh, God. And God's saying, tear down some walls today. Tear down some walls. And let's build up some altars. You know what happens on an altar? Things die. Things die on an altar. And Paul said, let us be living sacrifices. So this morning, church, I want to pray for you. Because I want you to know that many of you probably hear my story in a little way, big ways, similar ways, different ways. But whatever that nightmare is that has tried to shackle you, whatever that liar has tried to hold you back, God's got victory for you today. It's not mystery. It's it's just learning to walk in the ways. And when I stumble and fall, he picks me up. And when I mess up, I thank God he forgives seven times 70. I think I already used it up today. I don't know. But God loves you, church. Walk in the victory. Walk in the grace. Walk in the hope. You might walk with a limp. You know, I think about old Jacob. Getting up, he probably knew when it was going to rain after that. Oh, it's going to rain today. Come on, anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, we're going to get some rain, Pastor. How do you know? Oh, my hip. The kids were going out in front of him. The grandkids running between his legs. Everybody's saying, hurry up. Come on, we got to go. There's old Jacob. He'd walk with that limp. And I bet every time he took that step, he thought, I'm no longer Jacob, but I'm Israel. I'm no longer Jacob. I'm no longer a deceiver. I'm no longer a deceiver, but I'm a promise because I overcame. Oh, I bet that limp reminded him every day. And let the word of God remind us every day that we are more than conquerors. And the light of the world, God has given us this gospel to go in jars of clay. I probably talked too much today preached too long today, but I love you guys. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for having me. Thank you, church, for having me. And I hope we build a wonderful relationship. So before I close, 
and give it back to Pastor Mark. I want to pray for you. So in our tradition, we just say with all head bowed and eyes closed, may I pray for you this morning? With all head bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask, is there anybody today that would say, Pastor, I know where you're coming from. I know what you're dealing with. I've been there. Oh, my story is not like your story, but I've had a nightmare. It's held me back. It's shackled me. It's tried to title me. Satan's used it against me. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this place and and you just want me to pray for you, again, I don't promise anything that we will just agree in prayer. If that's you today, can you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Please pray for me. Is there anybody this morning? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hands going up all around. Father, you saw the hands that raised not to this preacher, but to your love. Father, hands that said, I need you more today than yesterday, God. Hands that said, I don't want to be held back, shackled down to my past anymore. I want to walk in the freedom and the goodness and the truth of Jesus Christ. Father, hands that say, I don't want to be a Jacob anymore, but I want to be Israel. So Father, with every head, hand that raised, bless them and begin this journey, Lord God. Begin this journey wherever they're on it. Give them strength to go, to go deeper in you for your ways are higher than our ways. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' blessed name. And all God's children said, amen. Pastor Mark, thanks for having me today. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen? Amen. Well, I think you will agree with me that Mark's story is truly a powerful story of how God reached into the life of this young man and transformed his life completely and is continuing to transform his life. I hope that if you appreciated today's podcast testimony, that you will share it with someone else. Thank you so much for being part of the Hope Along the Journey podcast. We appreciate your support and your prayers. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us sometime with an email at hopealongthejourney.com. As always, remember that Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world, and if you look to Jesus, you can find hope along the journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more hope along the journey.